0: Welcome to the Voices of Aging podcast, where you learn more about aging through experts. We are the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group, or ASIC, a student-led collaborative organization for the study of aging at the University of Minnesota. Every episode, we feature guests working in different aging-related areas, and they share their experiences and wisdom. We release two episodes every month, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in to learn more about aging every time you hit play.
1: This is Madeline Howard, host of the Voices of Aging podcast. For this episode, we are featuring the recording from ASIG's October Lunch and Learn session, which features Yulema Chambers, who is the Adults and aging program coordinator for Centro Tyrone Guzman, specifically covering Latin elders in Minnesota. We hope you enjoy. All right, hi everybody, and welcome to our first ASIG Lunch and Learn of the year. Um, my name is Michelle and I'm the chair for ASIG, and we have Emily Merkel here too, who's our vice chair. Um, for anybody who's new to the group, we're an interdisciplinary group of graduate and undergraduate students at the University of Minnesota, passionate about studying aging. Um, we host monthly Lunch and Learns on a variety of topics related to aging and have some other events too, like community outreach and research opportunities. Today, we're really excited to welcome Yolima Chambers as our first Lunch and Learn Speaker of the Year. to talk. Um, more about the experiences of older adults in the community and tell us more about uh, Centro Tyrone Guzman. So I will um, tell you a little bit more about her before she gets started. Um, so the mission of Centro Tyrone Guzman, which is supporting Latin families to flourish in their new home is a statement that really caught her heart. Originally from Bogota, Colombia, when Yolima moved to the United States 10 years ago, she personally experienced how complex it is to move to a new country. Um, And since that day, she wanted to work somewhere where she could apply her professional skills, um, but also support the Latin community. With more than 15 years of experience working with Latin families and a professional degree in international business, she's had the opportunity to work and meet people from different countries around the world, Um, and found the richness of many cultures. She also volunteered in different places in Colombia to support others. When she started working at Centro Tyrone Guzman in 2012, she felt she found the perfect place to work. Yolima is bilingual in Spanish and English, is a cultural consultant in dementia care, and is a certified Montessori elder care practitioner by AMI and Brush Development Company. As the Adult and Aging Programs Administrator at Centro, Yolima has a deep understanding of the Latin community needs and opportunities. She leads the program, supporting the well-being of Latin families through providing a holistic approach to education, health, and wellness activities for all ages, in partnership with various organizations in Minnesota. Yulima has a strong passion to serve the community and feels very fortunate. Uh, to be part of centro tyrone guzman and a team that is constantly working toward creating a vibrant diverse and inclusive latin community that belongs and contributes to the social and economic vitality of minnesota so without further ado i will give the floor over to you yolima and you said you prefer to go by yoli is that right yes <laughs> right. thank you so much
2: <laughs> thank you Um, So just to start, I'm gonna share um, my screen here. Uh, Well, thank you so much for thinking about our organization and letting us uh, share the work that we do here with all of you. Um, I, just to start, you know, Centro Tayron Guzman is the oldest Minneapolis-based multi-service organization. We're located in Minneapolis. Uh, we have been working with the Latin community for over 48 years uh, now, and we serve uh, Latine, the Latina community, but people from different countries. Most of the participants that we have, it's from Mexico and Ecuador, but really serve like from Colombia, Venezuela, Peru. So that um, has bringing uh, a lot of diversity within the latina community Uh, we have various services uh, from birth all the way until um, the elders uh, including our maternal health you know where we provide support uh, for moms that are pregnant and we support them having a healthy pregnancy, but delivering a healthy baby in an environment that supports the the mom, the baby, but also the whole family. We have our Siembra Montessori dual language for ages three to six, uh, the BL school program, truancy prevention, family support, and youth development. Uh, We have a summer program, nutrition program, uh, Raíces, uh, an after-school program, and they, it includes Jóvenes Latinas al Poder, which is an advocacy group, and we have Colores that focus more on LGBTQ, uh, the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, we also provide internet, intergenerational activities across all programs, and uh, today we're gonna focus more more this conversation about our Wise Elders program. So please, as I talk, uh, you're more than welcome to ask any questions or add uh, comments. Um, I, I was mentioning to, <laughs> to Emily uh, that I, I thought, I, I would like to have this more like uh, conversation rather than me <laughs> talking all, all the time. Um, so our main purpose in the wise Elders program is to support the independent and independent living of Latino seniors in, in Minnesota. Um, just so you know, kind of like an uh, perspective in 2021, we serve 118 seniors. Um, these are the ages that we serve, uh, most of them are between 65 and 74 years old. Uh, all, most of them also live in Hennepin County, but uh, some of them come from other counties that are a little bit far away, like Ramsey, Anoka, Dakota, and Washington. Um, the group that we have, uh, I would say that I will divide it in, in two. Some of the seniors uh, that arrive here to Minnesota, it's because uh, they want to reunite with their family members. Uh, so their children live here and they decide they convince them uh, to be with them again um, here. Uh, but these uh, elders accept this because they have a huge love for them. You know, they also want to support and see their grandchildren grow. Um, but of course, when they come here, um that brings a lot of challenges for them they uh left their community there you know they um they depend from their children now here Uh, they were very independent in their home countries either if they need to go to the doctor if they need to get groceries you know using transportation they were very very independent and now when they move here that change, uh, we have seen how that affects uh, their lives here. So they, that can lead to isolation, you know, depression. They feel that they cannot do things on their own. Uh, they can also feel that they want to contribute, but there are not too many opportunities to do that uh, because of the other uh, barriers and challenges like language, you know, transportation. Um, So that's one group. And the other group, I would say that those are the uh, older adults that arrived here when they were, um, we call it like a young adult. Uh, So I would say probably in their 40s, 40s, 50s, but they arrived here alone. And since then, they have been like that um so both groups are have some some challenges in common um and we have also seen that some of those common challenges are like access to health insurance um when they move here they don't qualify for for that so their families um rely mostly on community uh, services uh, but also community clinics, you know, but that has, um, they, they can access primary care services, but one huge challenge that we have noticed is that they can not access a specialist. Uh, right now we have some elders that have, uh, are experiencing memory loss. We have known them for so many years because they have been participating in the program and we have noticed some changes uh, in their behavior. So we know that there's something going on, but because they don't have health insurance, uh, they cannot go to a specialist uh, to receive a diagnosis. Um, Also, we have noticed that uh, when elders uh, attend to health appointments, you know, they have always shared that the time is very limited um because of the they need to use a translator and sometimes the translators are not fluent in regional uses of terms or all the dialects uh for them like i mentioned before transportation is a huge barrier uh some of them apply for metro mobility but for those who don't qualify for that then. They can, they have to rely on the bus system, but you know with uh, the weather here in Minnesota, sometimes that can be challenging, especially uh, during the winter time. Uh, opportunities for employment, they want to work, they want to contribute, but again, um, as the language and also the transportation, sometimes they even though they there is an opportunity, if they don't know how to get there, they don't have the the way to to arrive to work, and they cannot accept those those positions. Um, and the lack of culturally responsive care and resources, we have seen that that elders are increasing over the years, um, but uh, the services available for them are are not increasing, and we we have the only, Centro Tarón Guzmán has the only adult day program for uh, elders at no cost. You now there are two other uh, providers, you know, that um, have this service, but they work with health insurance. Um, so it is um, extremely important and we have been advocated to increase funds so we can um, increase the capacity and serve even more seniors that need these services. Um, how do we address this challenge? So when in the program, uh, we have three main different components. So we focus on the holistic health, which address the physical, emotional, spiritual and uh, social aspect. They do exercise. We partner with various organizations to provide educational sessions, educational workshops that support their holistic well being. Um, and we also provide individual services. So, really, anything that they need um, if they need to make a, a doctor appointment, if they uh, need help translating a letter that they receive. Uh, if they need support with applications for health insurance, or even glasses, anything we our coordinators are there to provide that support and to connect them with other organizations that we partner with. Uh, and then the intergenerational activities, um, the Latina community is very family center. Um, and I would say that elders are the the base of that you know they're. Uh, they play a really, really important role in the whole family. So uh, where the elder is, all the family members are and they go. Um, So for them to be around kids, youth, um, you know, even uh, younger adults, it's extremely important. So since most of them right now in the group Uh, they have been living here alone, Uh, they miss that part, you know, they miss being around that community. So at Centro, we have been providing those opportunities. Uh, For example, doing gardening projects with our children for Siembra Montessori, or uh, partnering with our youth in our Manos Montessori um, micro enterprise, creating Uh, Montessori materials to support the education of children. Um, So those uh, activities, uh, those opportunities are very meaningful for them because for them, and we have heard that loud and clear, they wanna feel uh, that they're contributing to the community that what they do uh, has a sense of purpose. So that's why this is a very important component in the program. Um, as I mentioned, Manos Montessori is one example of the intergenerational activities. Um, here in these two photos on the right side, you could see we create memory box with handmade Montessori materials. And these uh, materials I may are made by youth and elders. They create the whole thing, they, um, they design, they choose the fabric. Um, And within the micro enterprise, they are the ones that are guiding uh, the vision and mission of the micro enterprise. Um, And here on the left side, you could see that elders are showing uh, the box and are explaining what's in the box to the children at Siembra Montessori. Um, And in addition to the services that I mentioned, uh, we have seen an increase in the last, I'll say probably five or seven years of elders that are experiencing memory loss or have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease or a different type of dementia. So what we have done as an organization is train our staff, Partnering with different organizations, with the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, we have received grants from the Minnesota Board on Aging. We have partnered with Act on Alzheimer's, you know, to really uh, build um, that capacity so we can serve them better. Um, and not only the elders, but also provide support to their care partners. Care partners play a very important role, and we have seen Now that uh, that work is very recognized, you know, some of them didn't even realize like we in our culture, we take care of mom, dad, because we feel that uh, it is our responsibility that they did a lot for us. You know, they took care of us. They have been providing a lot of support. So now when they need us, then we provide that support back to them. Uh, We do not see um, the possibility of sending them to a different place alone just because we, I mean, we don't want them to feel that uh, we are abandoning them, um, that we're not taking care of them. So that's why in most families and in my experience at Centro, I have seen also that pattern in the, in the families, you know, we want to have the elders, our Parents uh, for as long as possible, really close to us. And the best place that they can be is in our home. So we uh, guide p- care partners, you know, or, or, or what can they do to have them uh, safe at home? Uh, what are some of the strategies that they can uh, do at home with them regarding? communication or behavior, you know, uh, activities that they can even do as a family and how can they involve the elder um, so they, they feel that they, they can do something um, and they can contribute. Uh, and here is where the Montessori influence uh, activities uh, play a huge um, important uh, role because uh, even something very simple, like um, letting them maybe help folding some socks or do folding the laundry that they just did, you know, or maybe setting the table, you know, or maybe watering the plants. We help care partners finding those activities within the house. Um, And of course, this is based on the the skills, you know, that the the elder has uh, based on uh, some of them have Alzheimer's. So if it's like an early stage or or they're in the middle stage, you know, we we kind of like analyze what are the things that they can do? Um, Like I mentioned, simulating their five senses, so that supportive environment. Uh, providing activities that are person-centered and supporting their independence really they they just don't and we have heard that from them they don't want to feel that people do everything for them they they want to do things on their own Um, Some of the resources, uh, one of the resources that we have created, you can see that on our uh, website, is the memory book. It was such a really um, nice project that uh, we did, and it was uh, adapting the program model from the House of Memories that is in the National Museums uh, of Liverpool. Um, And it's pretty much like using objects, images, and photographs. Uh, to engage elders in conversations. Uh, We uh, have a group of uh, 10 to 13 families from different countries and with their support, we chose different photos um, of food, objects, uh, different songs that are very uh, common across countries. So with that material, Uh, we can just have a conversation with an elder and they can choose. And it's so amazing how each of them, they just start sharing a different story uh, every time that we do this uh, activity. Um, So really try to do different things uh, that they can enjoy, that they like, uh, and where they can uh, share their wisdom and all the knowledge that they have had. Through all the years with their experience. Um, of course, the pandemic, um, I still remember everything happened so quickly. Um, and mo- I'll say like most of no, all the services that we had at Centro before the pandemic were in person. So when the pandemic started, um, it was uh, quite a challenge because we we were we we needed to rely on technology to continue providing the, the services to start, you know, and especially in the WISE Elders program, the technology with elders, uh we were working mostly like teaching them how to use the phones, but we didn't get to the point of teaching them how to use an iPad or how to connect to Zoom. Um, so that was the first step that we needed to do, you know, like uh We know how the social aspect is so important for them. So we need to continue having those activities uh, in a virtual way. So we contact different foundations. We were very blessed to receive support to buy some iPads uh, and deliver them today. We also received some hotspot because some of them didn't have internet and we had to meet with them in a very safe way to teach them how to use the iPad. How to charge it? How to turn it on? Uh, but it was not just the iPad. It was just um, because for some of them they have uh, challenges um, with their vision. So with an iPad, you see, and we can see that from our phones. You know, it's not like you can see clear uh, where the bottom to turn it on is. You know, so we have to put label it in different colors so we can help them guide them through all this this process but it was so nice that at the end uh, after like a couple of months most of them were able to connect to the sessions uh in zoom uh we provided i'm sorry i I jumped here we also provided um some uh, support with food uh, Metro Mobility uh, supported us bringing that to each of the elders home. Uh, we received some grants also uh, to support with rent uh, since many of the families lost, um, they lose their jobs uh, and they were scared, you know, how to, how are we gonna survive now? How are we gonna pay the rent? How are we gonna get the food? So we were able to, to do that. And a very um, challenging part was also bringing information about the COVID-19 vaccine when, when we finally um, have it. You know, they families were scared, like, is it going to work? I don't want to provide my information. They were scared of sharing their information because of the immigration status. Um, they didn't want to, they were reluctant to share that with the government, but uh, with some conversations that we had, like we were able to overcome that. Um, and then of course, my mental health, there were high levels of depression and stress because of all the situations that was, that was happening, especially for elders. They, they did struggle seeing their, their family uh, not having income, you know, the kids being at home, Um, and parents also trying to help their kids, connecting with the the virtual classes. Um, So it was quite a lot uh, for them. So what are some of the changes that I have seen uh, throughout this year? So of course, the increase of Latino elders. Uh, We have a long waiting list uh, for elders that want to participate in the program. Um, and we, that's why we are advocating and requesting more, more funds to, to provide that support. Um, and of course, as they, this population increase, um, most of them, they don't have health insurance. So creating uh, these resources, providing, delivering these resources are uh, critical um and uh, we have seen the importance of the intergenerational activities and the person-centered approach in the activities that we that we do. Um, And just lastly, so what what can you do Um, uh, would my advice would say like finding volunteer opportunities, you know. Uh, right now, and I put this as an example, providing respite, just because we have a lot of elders in the program, and one of the needs that care partners have been uh, sharing with us is uh, that opportunity for them to to bring the elder to a place um, where they can um, do some activities, have some fun, you know, while they maybe do the groceries or do some work or maybe have time for themselves because uh, since they're taking all care of the elders all the time at home, they don't have this space uh, to do those things. Um, So we are currently working on a, it's it's a starting project on developing a curriculum to train volunteers uh, that can provide respite uh, for these families. so that might be a, a way to to get involved. Uh, also, share your knowledge with others to continue creating a supportive community for for elders. Because this is the main purpose of this curriculum that we are developing. You know, even if they don't, they, if they cannot uh, volunteer at Centro, uh, we hope that they share this information with others. Um, so more elders can receive that support. And even if they do it with their own grandparent um, or grandmother at home, that will be uh, very important. And also learning how to deliver culturally responsive services, being mindful that each person is unique. Even though we are all Latine, um we're all different, you know, different countries have different ways to say things you know they have different customs so I, it's it's just like um uh, my message is that it doesn't mean because we're latina we're all the same just be mindful that uh each person is unique um, and every time we talk with an elder for us it's extremely important to to really know them to really know what's important for them what are the skills and focus on their strengths Uh, rather on the things that they that they maybe have a little bit of a challenge uh, doing. Um, And just to finish, what are the greatest assets? (laughs) They have a lot of a lot, a lot of assets, but I summarized it in this. um, Just a few things. So knowledge, uh, they uh, keep teaching us, you know all the things that they have learned through all uh, the years of experience. Uh, many of them, and I can see that an example is through the Man of Montessori Micro Enterprise. Uh, some of them, they were really good um, maybe accountants. Uh, and right now uh, they have a really um, nice opportunity. To do what they used to do, and not only doing it, but to teaching others how to do it. So sharing that wisdom based on what they used to do and their experiences. Um, family center. They they love their families, their community, and that's the reason why they are here. Um, and they're very resilient. Many of them have been going. Uh, Through different difficult challenges situations, Uh, but you always see them having such a positive attitude. Um, They they don't give up. They just um, you can see how how strong the the strength that they have uh, and just keep moving forward uh, regarding of everything that is going on around them. Um, and that sense of purpose and contribution that, that teaches us that, that that's the way we should do, we should do things. You know, they want to contribute to their community, they want to help kids, they want to help youth. Um, so again, that sense of of supporting their community, but that love for their family and others. Um, so that's all the information that I wanted to share with you. I'm not sure if maybe you have any questions or comments.
3: Um, Yes, feel free to put any questions in the chat or um, to unmute and ask your question. Hola Yoli, that was a great, (laughs) yeah
1: that's
4: such a great, presentation and i of course you know i want to be respectful of everyone else's time i have a bunch of questions um <laughs> yeah, i'm super okay. super interested uh do you mind going maybe a little bit more in depth about the um what's it called the Manos montessori uh with the uh, micro enterprise i'm a little i'm very very unfamiliar with how montessori works i'm curious about how that works you know with the with the elders
2: with the elders yes yeah. so yeah. Manos Montessori started, um, and I'm going to do it really really fast, yeah. So Manos Montessori started because we heard um, out loud from elders that they want to contribute. So we were, as a group, we gather, you know, we, and one of the principles of Montessori is that we we let the participants um, lead the, the, the way, you know, you are there guiding them, Uh, but they are the ones that are like doing everything. That's one principle. So we talked with them and elders um, said like, you know, we know how to saw, you know, we how to manipulate different fabrics. And a need that we uh, noticed in Siembra Montessori in our children's house for children three to six is that uh, they needed the material. Uh, in the Montessori schools, the teachers are the ones that are in charge of making this material. And each area has a lot of work because you, everything needs to be connected. It's not that you can find those materials in the store. No. If the activity, for example, is how to cut the strawberries, you know, every, many things are involved. It's not just to how to cut the strawberry, maybe they're learning about the red color. You know, they're doing some, uh, they're developing cognitive skills, you know, manipulating materials that help uh, with that, in that aspect, you know. So uh, the aprons, even the, the little, that is not a real knife, <laughs> it's close to, to that, um, the trays, may, it has to be connected with that activity. So it needs to be maybe with strawberries or vegetables. Um, and that's the where the creativity from the seniors uh, comes to. You know, they create that apron, the little towels, uh, the placemat that they use to do the activity. Um, and that, that also is a huge help for for teachers you know at the Montessori because they said oh okay the elders and youth are creating this and we buy that from them and uh the way it works now is that that all the funds that we receive from those purchases um they go to support directly the Wise elders program um in hoping because we know the the. Um, and at the other level, they're not too much funding to support elders. So that's a way to support the program and help. Uh, but then our vision is more towards um, providing them and pay for their work at some point, you know. Uh, and how, and I would love to invite you all to Centro, the micro enterprise is um, the setup is in a way that an elder comes to the classroom, but they have already received a training. But that setup, that environment is um, in a way that they, um, if they feel that they want to cut fabric, they have all the materials and the environment, it supports them to do that, that they don't need to have uh, someone there to do them what to do. And that's another Montessori principle you know you if you go to a classroom you don't see the teachers uh, a teacher with a child you know I mean they might be having those conversations guiding them uh, but the kids are the ones that go to an area where they're interested in, in learning so that's the same principle in the Montessori uh, micro enterprise um, and then the, in the administrative part of the Mano Montessori, we have an advisory committee. So they are the ones that are hands-on in everything. Um, they choose the name. They chose the logo. Um, now we're in process of developing a website. You know, they are the ones that are creating those ideas. What can we do? Um, they learn about the Montessori uh, principals who was Maria Montessori what are the materials that are needed in in the schools um, so help we're there guiding them but we're not not telling them what to do so it's very interesting when you let them do that uh, many big and amazing ideas come up because sometimes in, in traditional, In the traditional way to teach, when we see that when people tell someone how to do and what to do, they don't let that creativity, um, I don't know how to say that, they they don't let them be creative and they need to explore on their own. Uh, And that's the way we have seen that um, they learn better. And we have, Maria Montessori had a principle, you know, what the mind, what you do with your hands the mind never forgets, and that's what we do at Centro. It's not like talking and talking and talking. We just have presentation and we show them how to do. But then from then they they take it and it's just so amazing all the things that they they have done.
4: So then just to to recap, thank you for for that awesome explanation. So it's like a very kinesthetic, right, hands-on method of, on. of of yeah of teaching, right, based in youth, and then you have the elders helping make the, the materials necessary for, for that instruction then. Yes. And then I'm sure that helps the elders too, right? With their own um, abilities. And and I'm sure that helps, right? Okay. In, in that aspect
1: as well.
2: And show interest to learn. Like some, some of them were like reluctant. They were like, oh no, I don't want to cut fabric, for example. And then while they see, they saw others doing that, they were like, well, maybe I want to try that. And then that's a way to continue learning other other skills that they were maybe not aware that they have.
4: And I could see how that perfectly fits with the you know the mission of, of Centro, right? With it's intergenerational as well, right? You have everyone mm-hmm. connecting and, and, and developing within the community. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it a little bit open because I got a bunch of questions but I want to leave it open for anyone else.
3: <laughs> yeah, feel free to unmute or put a question in, in the chat. I have a question for you. Um, so obviously you're very passionate about this work and it's very cool to see you. what are you most proud of in the work that you've done with Centro? Well
2: I'm really proud you know uh, seeing how the program is growing uh, and I'm really proud also especially the work that we have we're doing with elders that are experiencing memory loss or have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Uh, really, there are very, very few resources in Spanish. Um, and when we saw that need, that, that, that elders with that condition, the number of elders were growing as an organization, we just step up and say, we need to do something. So we train the staff, we start giving um, educational sessions to community, but not only that educational part, but also developing uh, resources for them to use, like the memory book. And in 2019, we received a a family, the Family Alliance Caregiver Award in the Wise Elders Program. And that was kind of like a national recognition uh, for the program. So I am extremely proud and uh, for all the work that we have done and for all the things that are coming (laughs) in the future as well, because uh, partner with the University of Minnesota to create that curriculum and Paul is involved in all to provide respite services and that's an area where care partners need a lot of uh, support so creating that structure to have more capacity more volunteers uh, that can work one-on-one with these elders that will be um, just amazing and mostly because the families that we serve are low income so they don't have either health insurance or they don't have the economic resources to pay someone, you know, to care for their elders where they need to do other things and most of them, they they have to work, they have children so providing that support is critical.
3: Great, thank you.
1: Yoli, this is such a fantastic talk. Thank you so much. yeah. So a lot of us are students in healthcare professions, like medical students, pharmacy, physical therapy, things like that. So what advice do you have for us, like to support these elders in like the clinic setting and the hospital setting? You know, if they're in those settings, if you have any advice? Yeah. Maybe
2: um, being involved in the community. Um we have had various students that are uh, pursuing those those careers. So having, we have heard from them that having the opportunity to work directly with elders, uh, kind of like help them understand uh, their perspective, um, some of their behaviors, some of the things that they said, you know, uh, how, learn how to look at each person um, as a unique individual, you know? Um, sometimes, um, elders have mentioned like, oh, I went to the doctor and he or she, or you know, they just told me to do ABC, but they didn't listen that <laughs> that was not what they needed. I was trying to communicate this other thing. Um, so kind of like, uh, being mindful of listening elders in the Latin community, they, they love sharing, um, what they think, but their perspective. Sometimes, uh, some of them they still practice traditional medicine. Uh, so maybe validating, you know, their their feelings, their thoughts, uh, giving them that space, uh, and then providing your advice as a professional, you know, in that field. Um, I think that would be a way to build the trust. Uh, because in our home countries and I totally understand like the system here uh, doesn't allow to have quite an extent time (laughs) to talk in an appointment, but it was, it is very opposite in our home countries. You know, we usually have like a one family doctor who really knows well, the whole family. uh, And we can go to that doctor and have a really long conversation and that doctor, provide advice, you know, and and they trusted that doctor because the doctor takes the time to listen and to really understand their needs. And so I would say that maybe in any way that is possible, <laughs> because I know that's challenging, maybe try to, to replicate that here so they feel supported um, by, the, by, the, by the healthcare providers. Uh, and maybe, making sure that when the translators you know that's something that we have been advocating a lot that they are uh well trained um in different dialects or in different vocabulary that 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 the elders use in different countries you know sometimes they if if that's not accurate you know they that that's quite um that's not right (laughs) and we have seen that in in elders too uh, when they go to family with family members and the family members are like no but the translator did not say that to my mom and the doctor did say that so maybe try to make sure if and I'm not talking for all of them I'm just saying few examples because most of them I'm sure they did receive a training but those are little things that we still have to to work with them. That's really helpful, thank you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, and one more thing, sorry. And knowing the resources. Um, I know if, if the health, um, if, if the hospitals and, you know, they do know the services that, that can provide support to seniors and they refer them, that will make a huge difference because not all of them have social workers. Um, For those who have social workers, it's easier because the social worker helps them navigate everything. Um, But, you know, providing that information and just giving them that that, that
1: referral will make a a huge impact on them. Kind of a follow up question. What would be the process to refer an older adult to like the Wise Elders program? Or like, yeah, how would that work?
2: Yeah, so we it, they just have to call Central or even you you guys call Central and um, ask to speak with the White Soldiers Coordinator. Um, we gather the participants' information uh, and then we set up a meeting um, to know them a little more, you know, to complete. We have a, an intake form and for us, it's extremely important that during that process, we also know what are their needs and what are their goals? What do they wanna accomplish? Why why did they, what do they need to be part of the program? Um, it's not just like we, everyone can join and we just know it's, and again, it's because the program is has that principle that is very person-centered. Um, so that's all that they need. Right now, again, we have a, a waiting list um but we have been as soon as we have a, a space like open then we have been calling them to join the program that's great thank you
3: mm-hmm. any other questions
4: I have some if, they, if we have time that's okay <laughs> and I know bouncing off of um right the last question I'm pretty sure you know making room for family in you know for in terms of practice i'm sure is that it will go a long way i know from actual experience I'm um, i'm mexican-american and just having to go through that experience of, of being a caregiver for my grandmother and how we had to navigate you know a lot of the medical stuff like me my mom had to help her and it's not even just us but it's like you know like the saying that it takes a village so then it's like everyone right it's, it's my mom's siblings you know a, a lot of more people than than you would expect that would show up to a, a typical appointment and that kind of leads into what I wanted to ask you, Yoli. About um, I, you touched up on it a little bit, but like how um, how is familismo or familism really influenced and shaped? You know, um, a lot of the design for the for the community in
2: Centro. Yeah, and that's the reason why. Thank you, Paul. That's the reason why we at Centro we not only program one program, but that's why we, all the services are around the whole family. Um and we try to involve every single family member, uh, you know, protecting their also taking care of their um, the privacy of elders. but we have seen in converse, in all the conversations that we have with most of them, they want to involve their their children, their family members. Um, so we need to be very mindful of that. Um, and it's uh, we have always always seen, uh when we talk or partner with providers uh sometimes they they're like oh no but it's just just the elder you know you can we cannot accept like three older people there and we have to go through our (laughs) full explanation of why it is important for them to be there until they they accept so it's a matter of like understanding the the culture and really um realize that it, elders, for elders who live with their families here, it is, they're the ones who take the decision, but they rely on their other extended family, even their grandchildren, like you said, Paul, it is extremely important for them to know their perspective. Um, and that that's the, the way they feel supported, they feel loved. Um, they feel that the decision that is taken is correct, that is right, because they talk with their family, their closest family uh, members, and they're aware of what's what's happening. You know, and as as I, I agree with you, Paul. Like even me in my personal experience, like if there's something going on with my grandma, as as grandchildren, all all my cousins and everything, everyone, we, we all want to know what's going on and how can we provide support. Um, that, and that's why for, with care, with care Partners, we call them Care Partners, sorry. Uh, with Care Partners, we, that's, that's the work that we do for them. You know, how can we support them um, as a person, you know, uh to for them and so they can have the tools to better support their their elders because it's not just a one way you know it is uh uh, in both directions you know they also need support it takes a lot of mental and emotional energy you know to care for their their loved ones um so how can yes they they rely on their family but How can we, as an organization, how can we as a state, as a big community, how can we continue creating that capacity and building that support for them um, as a family? You know, not not just one elder, but the the whole family. Because the whole family is impacted in any way, in every way.
4: Thank you so much for that. That's the perfect answer.
3: <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Um, and it is nearing one o'clock, and I just want to be respectful of everyone's time. So thank you, everyone, for joining today. Thank you so much again, Yoli, for speaking. This was a great talk. Um, we, I think we all learned a lot here today. Um, I also just wanted to make a few announcements. Um, ASIG Uh, for any students on the call um, and still looking for a few leadership positions, including our events chair, so you can help us put on more um, great talks like this in the future. Um, And if anyone has any other questions or concerns or wants to reach out, um, please don't hesitate to do so.
0: This podcast is brought to you by ASIC, the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group at the University of Minnesota. Follow Voices of the Aging and ASIC on social media for more information about the episodes and guests on the podcast and to learn more about us as a student group. See you next time.